Welcome to another episode of Deciding Heart Conversations with my co-host, Sonia Montiel. And we have a little different thing going on. She is in the guest seat today, and I will be the host alone. So she's stepping out of that seat for a second. Why is that? Because we like to listen to you and what is going on in your life at the moment. And right now we're hearing from our clients and from beyond and friends. And I know from me, I have a senior right now is the absolute prime time for getting those college applications in early applications need to be in in just a few weeks, you know, less than a, a couple weeks is the deadline. And then we have uh, open admissions starting on the first. And so all of these things, and then a lot of the families are, are swirling up and yep. a lot of the kids are swirling up. And so you have to listen to what this calming voice, Sonia Montiel, who owns College Confidence, also is a private college counselor. And her mission is really to take this pain and this stress away and not just see a title or an accomplishment, but see the whole child and see the whole family, discover the why, who they are underneath, and then help them find the best fit financially, emotionally, and, and even physically and intellectually for that child. So thank you so much, Sonia, for joining us on the other side this time. But can you start off by just giving us a background? What drew you to doing this type of work in the first place? Yeah, well, I, I guess I'll decide, I will reveal that when I was a teenager, I never said that I was going to be a college counselor or an <laughs> entrepreneur when I grew up. And that's it. I mentioned that because that's just one of those tidbit controversies within families is, oh, well, my teen can't possibly think about college if they don't know their major or profession. So, I mean, my own story is I did the twists and turns and somehow landed in this passion work that I do. Um, so when I was in my 20s, I worked for the University of California system. And it was so amazing to be a part of the intricacies of an admissions process and reading applications and those darn essays where for the University of California system, it's about eight minutes. And, but as a young 20 year old, I was just intrigued with the process and the system. I wasn't really thinking about the heart and soul of our young people at that time. Wait, can, yeah, can I stop for just one second? So you're yeah. saying eight minutes for these applications that kids are spending hours and hours and days and days and months and months and years and years on, they get about eight minutes per read. Yeah, that's the, and that's because a large public universities sure. don't have that time to really sure. grapple and reflect upon essays. The smaller liberal colleges, liberal art colleges, the smaller the size, they tend to, you know, spend more time, but maybe 15 minutes. So it's, yes, so time and time, the hardship of writing these essays, it really does come down to within 15 minutes, can the stranger on the other side get to know who you are as this person. Mm. Because um, it's not just about, uh, and we'll get into this later, but it's it's not just about whether or not you get into the university. They wanna know whether or not you're a good fit. Are you going to stay there? So they have to know who you are. That makes so much sense. So you are reading admissions and learning about this process. And then, and then what? I started to get become really bothered by the process. Maybe it was my wisdom and maturity, but the families coming in, you described it, were coming in like the Tasmanian devil. 
Yeah. They were spinning. They didn't know what questions to ask. They were lost. And these were juniors and seniors in high school when it was time to roll up our sleeves and start to apply. And they were coming in just beginning to engage in the process. And it bothered me so much. Um, They're getting misinformation. They were hearing information at a grocery store from another parent and would ask me as an admission counselor, like, is this true? And I would be like, no, where did you get that information? So that jolted me a bit. And I said, I want to represent the families. And so I had young children then. I worked for a private high school in California. So I shipped what we call desks in the industry. And I was a high school college counselor. Mm-hmm. And it was such an exhale because I got to meet directly with these students early in their high school years and really help them reflect and grapple upon what does college going student mean? Mm-hmm. So then that was like chapter two, but I was still, I was still representing an entity. It was one private high school. Um, I was under the quota of like Sonia, all of our, all of our students have to go to a four-year university for our, for our data, for our profile. And you know me, Hillary, I don't, I don't like standards like that. No. <laughs> so I, was, I found myself pushing every student to consider a four-year college option when perhaps it wasn't the best option. So I said, nope, ditching this, this is not right. And then finally opened up um, college confidence so I could truly follow this vision of creating healthy mindsets in our young people, but not just the, mind pe- not just the young people, but those raising them because gosh, do they correlate? I can't even, I mean, I, I'm feeling it yourself, you know, as you're talking and I'm going through, and we're going through this process ourselves. We had a senior last year, he's now a freshman in college. We have a senior this year. And then, and, and each kid is, we have two years and then another one, each kid is different and finances are so different now as well. And there's this stigma sometimes and oh it has to be a four year it has to be a hoity-toity four year it has to be sorry it has to be a very um prestigious um you know and and that is great for some people i mean the networking is fantastic there as well but again the pressure and the anxiety and the the weight on the shoulders and then on the opposite side, I'm hearing shame. For example, we have this amazing two-year college here, which is Moore Park, the junior college, next to nothing. And it's a wonderful campus to be able to get your um, associates and then move into a four-year if you want to, and maybe not be in $120,000 of debt. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I see that those are a lot of the things that you're kind of looking into. How can we start to change and why should we start to change the college admissions process and even the way we're talking and looking yep. at going into this next beyond high school? I mean, that's where it begins. I want to focus on the why. And you've really hit it on the nail because with this stigma and labeling and these nonsense college rankings, we as a society, um, we have pushed college education so hard that it actually became an identity, not just for the the teen, but for the entire family unit. Yes. Family units and young people are saying, I am not worthy, or we as a family are not worthy if we don't have this certain title. We don't have, we, because you know, families, parents are very much a part of the college process. 
where are we going to, honey? Are we going to go to a highly credible top 10 university or are we just going to go to our local two-year? When teens hear that kind of labeling, and we and teens, adolescent brains, they're anchoring to a sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. They look, the first people they're going to look to is, what are the adults in my life saying? Mm. Because the language and the subcultures within a family started when they were little children. And it, it bothers me when, you know, I, when I hear a, a junior and I say, tell me about your goals. Oh, I've been thinking about Stanford since I was six years old. Right. Like, huh, really? It's a, and, and they, they become inflexible, right? Because it's like this agenda is saying, well, I'm not going to be worthy somehow if I don't follow this agenda that was somehow brought upon me at the age of six, if I don't get into Stanford. You know, I have to, it, it's interesting to me going to, you know, dinner parties or going out with people having wine and the adults. And I don't know, we're in California right now. I don't remember this when I was younger. I don't know if it's become more of, of something or maybe I just wasn't a parent then. So I didn't pay attention to it. But I've heard almost cruel things at parties like, wow, mm. that kid only did blah, blah, blah. I mean, try harder. And, and it's really, it's very catty. I, I hear, well, anybody can get into that school. Well, and these are grown adults talking to one another about each other's children. And it feels, uh, for the lack of a better word, yucky. I mean, it's just, I mean, that's, that's as nice as I can say it. <laughs> I have other words, but I won't. <laughs> So dangerous too, because those types of conversation, um, ironically, is you are not putting your own child at the center, yeah. right? And as parents, that's all we want to do. And, and I keep on reminding parents, is this conversation putting your teen in the very center? Mm. And so that is, and the danger of it and why I feel so strongly now, I, I so I had to mother a teen through this process. And I just saw how critical it was during that moment of time to have her trust me as her mentor. And not as a college counselor, yeah. by the way. Like, you know, yes. sure in my, in my professional life, oh, she's the expert in college admissions, but everyone knows if you're a parent, that's thrown out the window. That's not the credibility that your team gives. Oh no, oh no. <laughs> so I, the, the process in itself and me connecting to my own team it's all about me, that my teen was who she was all along. And I did feel the anxiety of it. I did ask myself, oh my gosh, is this enough? Is she doing enough? I felt it crept within me because of this culture. And then thank God for my teen who just held steady and said, not she didn't say this directly, but she's like, I'm not gonna move or redefine who I am. So you meet me here, or I'm just gonna find my own pathway and not trust you as a mentor. And so that my personal experience um, was just the aha moment to say, I can't just be helping teens through the college planning process. I must, must, must bring those parents, guardians, caretakers mm. into the conversation. So the alignment of values is there. Um, and then I just have to address mental health is a huge, huge issue in the last decade. We have seen uh, 18 to 24 year olds. Uh, I think there, there's a lot of studies, but one in four reported being either diagnosed or treated for anxiety disorders. Mm -hmm. um, and that 58% of current college students, they're 
they're severely concerned about their mental health. The number one dropout rate for college um, is mental health. Yeah. You saying that, I, I'm recalling a conversation with my daughter who's only in 10th grade, and she was talking to me about anxiety and how the weight is so much on your shoulders now in a way. I, I think about the, and, and granted, we're also in the pandemic and you know all of these other things going on as well, but I had fun in high school. I mean, there were, you know, hormones and, and drama and all of that. So there are parts of it I would definitely not go back and revisit. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like um, in, in some ways, this pressure, this college pressure, we've almost usurped four years of our kids' lives, at least in this quest to you know, go to the best school and get the scholarship and do the thing. And I mean, am I wrong? You're not. And what's what's really discerning is the amount of sacrifice our teens are willing to do in the name of achievement. Loss of sleep is not a priority. If I can achieve this, we'll, we'll talk about the fixed mindset. If I'll achieve it, that is worth sleep. That is worth eating right. That is worth, I'll sacrifice exercising if I can achieve. And I will tell everyone, my highest achieving students still do not know how to answer, well, what is the purpose of you going to college? Why, why do you want to go to college? These are the 5.0ers, you know, they've got their resumes. It's, you know, what we've been driven as parents to say, ooh, if we could just load them with layers and layers of achievement, they will be worthy and get accepted anywhere. Well, if a, a teen cannot answer that question, which is the basis of what a college is asking, right, in those essays, yeah. they will still be denied. And that is heartbreaking because somehow the team was promised, if I achieve, I shall be rewarded. Yes. And so if I'm not rewarded, then I'm not worthy. And then their fr- uh, everybody around them, their peers are saying, oh, Johnny didn't get accepted. So if he didn't do well, then I'm not going to do well, right? right? It's just such a, ja- a really dangerous path of, co- of comparison. So and how many, the last five years I've had families say, Sonia, can you please help my mid 20 year old? They started college, they're back at home now. And the why question is, are young adults remain children where they couldn't navigate their, their transition to college? They're having mental health issues. They're returning home without any purpose. And when I help these families, I just think to myself, we're doing something wrong. I, we are. I as you're as you're talking, I am just. We have this view. I feel like oftentimes that if we follow this straight line, then and check all the boxes along the way, then parents are coming from a good place. Let's just say this: people are. I truly believe that what parents want to do is, I'm going to give my child the best shot at happiness. And I'm going to manufacture whatever I have to manufacture in order, and I don't mean make up, but I just mean orchestrate, maybe engineer this this timeline because society says if I check all these right boxes, they're going to be more successful. Mm -hmm. And I think that graduating from college or the perfect this or the perfect GPA or the what, that doesn't ensure happiness Mm -hmm. if who you are as a person hasn't been seen. And, and I, and really tapped into, so I, I'm 
listening to you and my heart just is hurting for these kids. I told a parent yesterday, we aren't raising adults anymore. We tend to be raising children and we have to remember that it's our job to raise adults. And that means their timeline might look different and maybe they're going to take a gap year or maybe they're going to have two years in junior college and that's where the maturity comes and you let go a little bit more and then they go two years to the four-year maybe who knows there are different routes but we have to start by i guess i see three things in my head number one changing our own mindset and our own ego taking our own ego out of it out of it as parents two really seeing the child and then three changing the discussion with the children and and how would you approach that as a parent of a senior right now how do i change that discussion with my own child yeah, I mean, mindset is where it all begins and it's never too late to adjust mindset ever. And this is, you do such incredible work with this in terms of reflecting. Um, one of the things is focusing on what we, we, there's a term out there, growth mindset. Carol Dweck's work, she just published a book on, on this. Um, why that is so important. Growth mindset is in terms of parenting, that we are raising children where they are willing to take risks, you know, to learn something or to follow a curiosity without the fear of failing and not thinking about, well, what do I get at the end if I do this, right? So they're engaged in this world of learning where they say, you know, I don't know about this and I really don't care what the rewards are. I'm just going to chase it down. Yes. Fixed mindset. And, and this is, and I just have to say, because maybe I was too excited about, I absolutely know that parents do all of these things based on love. Oh, for sure. Right. I mean, so, but what happens culturally is this fixed mindset pattern where ever since they were little, we believe that teens will be motivated to learn if we promise them something. And this is like, I'm going to sit soccer, youth soccer, they're five years old. And then we say, if you finish the season, honey, you're going to get this trophy. Mm-hmm. And they finish the season and they get the hardware and they're like, Ooh, this is pretty. I like this. And if that pattern repeats, it could be the A grade. It could be a test score. It could be the name of a college. They're not focused on the journey of learning or their curiosity. They are so fixed on saying, I have to achieve this thing in order to be worthy. And, yes. and if I can't achieve this thing, I will not engage in that experience. So we don't want to do the fixed mindset. No. Now, the big reflection part, because a lot of parents will say, oh, we totally get it. Okay, we'll change the way we communicate with our children. We can't expect to teach growth mindset until we ourselves model growth mindset. Yes. And I know you do this work as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I, as you're talking, I'm in my head, I'm thinking, you know, we really have to be focused on, it goes back to Zig Ziglar. It's so trite, but, but it really is in a nutshell, growth mindset is sometimes you win, sometimes you learn, right? That really, it is that trite and that, but it's so true. And, and, and seeing the effort that is going in and, and that really is one tip I think that we both agree on for parents is making sure that when your child is showing effort, that's what you're complimenting. You know, sometimes the kid who works their tail off to get a C 
is working so much harder than the kid where they were just lucky and got, you know, they, they can just think through something really fast and get an A. And, and that kid is probably going to struggle, to be honest, later on in college, whereas that kid who's learned the skills behind it is going to be doing so much better. So I really, I think that I, you're, what you're saying, what you're teaching speaks so much to my heart in that we want kids that are and adults where we are not beating ourselves up. We aren't feeling that we are unworthy. We aren't feeling that if we don't go on some timeline by some imaginary you know, list that somebody made that doesn't even matter or count for anything, the shape of our lives can be so different. The shape of our lives can, can look so remarkable and those teachable moments that we have are vital and we can't steal them from our kids because it might be, you know, I know people that dropped out of college because they failed and got somebody, you know, somebody was, was pregnant um, and, and was like, oh man, this is, you know, in the mind, it, worst travesty ever. Guess what? It was the thing that turned that person around, made them have extreme purpose and they are incredibly successful. So I, I think that we have to stop judging our the path and start being an ally and a, and a guide along the way. Sorry, that was just on my soapbox for a minute, but it just what you say and what you do, I think what makes you so phenomenal, phenomenal, if I can say the word, phenomenal is the fact that you do see the parents and you do see the child and you're looking for what is underneath because that is what is of value. Right. And I think, and then one of the other tips, so, you know, if we focus on growth mindset, I ask parents to reflect upon their own biases. So what messages do you feel strongly about? Where do they come from? Why, where is the bias and preferences coming from? And how are you communicating that agenda accidentally, most likely, or intentionally, but how are you communicating and transferring that over? Because really, I think when we, when we spend time to heal ourselves, we'll realize like, I was told these things and I carried that with me, even though I didn't like these messages and I accidentally transferred them over. So that's hugely important. And I also wanna have, there's accountability to parents. You can't just be blinded by the process that if truly, college is one of the options you would like your teen to learn about, you need to be knowledgeable about what is college admissions today. It's not back in the day, people. Like, and again, the moment you say, well, back in my day, teens are gonna shut down. They're gonna be like, okay, you're irrelevant. But if you can take responsibility and educate, well, not be the expert, but just say, well, what is important today? Why are colleges requiring what they're requiring? Then your conversations become meaningful. And, one other thing I want to mention is teens need to know all of their options after high school. Whether they've said, oh, mom, just for the sake of us in the room, oh, parent, I don't need to know about these other options because I've already decided. Well, I think that the responsibility on the teen is, well, what are you saying no to? Why are you saying no to apprenticeship certification programs? Why have you said no to to your community college or gap year or going straight to work or military because teens if they do the work you're helping them critically think about all of their options and then deciding the reason why college is right for me 
is because of these things. Now, when you help coach your, your student or your teen, by the time they apply to college, they will know why, mm -hmm. what is their purpose in applying to college? And so you can kind of guess parents that all of these things do, does not start junior year, right? We want that to be the goal by late junior year and definitely by senior year. And that's why I really advocate, please parents start this conversation early because it takes time. I love the tortoise. I wanna be the tortoise when it comes to tortoise and the hare, right? The tortoise wins by the way, right? But teen brains, they work in a pace that's slow, that they have time to grapple. They're not pinned to a corner to make these decisions while you know, like parents are like freaking out like the Tasmanian devil. So, you know, if we just give them the time and have meaningful conversations, and then they say, well, what are my options? I promise you that the, the ultimate result is the process of applying to college is actually an exciting one. It can be fun. That's what I was just going to say. I love you. You are such a fun person as it is. Uh, a couple last questions for you. First of all, what, what age do you think or do you prefer that parent? And I know you'll take them at any point, but when is it a good time to start the conversation with you? So I have these two avenues. So I've, you know, as a private college counselor, usually parents will hire me the junior year, soft, late sophomore year, early junior year. But it's a time, usually they hire me to say, oh my gosh, Sonia, it's time. Can you help us? And so the great work that I do is I, I, I love it. I, it's a sacred moment. I'm honored by it. And so we will do a little bit of that coaching and then guide them through. It's a quicker pace than I like, but we guide them through the, the process. Um, the other program I've created is a family coaching program where I'd love my ideal mission in life. Can families engage in this process when they begin, when the team begins ninth grade together, together. So I, it's a coaching program where I have families and I'm coaching them through all the knowledge they need to know. And I tell them, I, I basically am the tortoise and I say, okay, for this, for just this time, just, just talk about this thing. And then we slowly have them kind of gradually get very comfortable with the process. And by the time they're juniors and seniors, they may say, Sonia, we've got this. We don't have to hire you to, to do all of this all concentrated in, in the, uh, the year and a half. No, I was going to say, I love, that's something you're so good at, at so many parts um, in so many things. But one of the things that I think you're so great at is you have the conversation starters. Not only do you have conversations with the families, but you also then say, these are some of the other discussions that you can have. And here's when you can have those discussions. Yeah. And uh, I, I just think it is so helpful because you know, I will put on my schedule, let's talk to Jake about college. And then I sit down with him and I'm like, so what you thinking about school? Right. What are the words that I'm supposed to say? So you're so helpful that way. I'm, I'm curious, how can people, um, yeah, I mean, you have Facebook, what's, what's the best way to get a hold of you? I mean, you can give us a few of those routes as well. But they could go on, on Facebook and find you ha often have challenges, which is fantastic. Yeah, I think two, two ways to contact me. And I'm, you know me, I'm just so open to having these conversations with parents to help them just have a starting point. 
uh, whether they decide to hire someone for help or they just need a starting point to learn more. My website, collegeconfidence.net, just shows all the things that I can offer um, to families. And then the College Confident Parent Facebook page is really where I truly want to have that engagement of I, village, man, that's, it's so true. It takes a village to raise every child. And even though, yes, I raise my own teen, I may have strategies that worked and didn't work. I would love to learn from other parents where their strategies work and maybe possibly didn't work. So the College Confident Parent Facebook page is a really great starting point. And then you'll see the challenges and other resources um, that I give out uh, to have some engagement. That is absolutely fantastic. Do you have a challenge prepared for us today? I do. Yay! <laughs> I would love for parents to first really take some time. And what I mean by time is you're alone, you know, time yourself for 13 or 13, 15 to 30 minutes. And I want you to write what your preferences and biases are for your child. And specifically, what you hope they would do after high school. List the things, I hope my teen does these things after high school. And then look at that and reflect where did those messages come from? And then my final, after you reflect where did they come from, how am I communicating or not communicating these messages to my teen? And is that what I want my teen to hear? So powerful, I, I will tell you, you know, I don't work within the college area, but I've had so many conversations with parents where I've said, hold on, let's go back. Your child is not you. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like these questions are those questions to really get to the core of why, why are you, what is your why? Is this because you want your child to be like you? Is this because you're trying to be successful? Is this because you want them to be successful or is this because you've actually seen who they are mm -hmm. as people and this is truly the best path for them. So I, I love our conversations, Sonia. I'm so glad that we get to do it all the time, but, <laughs> but this was, this has been particularly helpful, I think for parents out there that are, and, and teens that are struggling to make sense of some of this. There's enough stress on us at the moment and anxiety at the moment. This doesn't need to be one more thing. And, and coming to you and having this conversation can be a game changer for them. And just, you know, and this is, you know, I think what's great as we reveal why we're connected and why we've done Decided Heart conversations, not once did I mention college requirements because that's not what for us the admissions process and grow, personal growth in our relationships is, it's not about a process. It's about these meaningful connections that will lead to a successful process. So it's just such a pleasure. And I thank you so much for letting me kind of talk about what I do. Oh, it is. I'm so glad that everyone has this unique opportunity to take a look at what you are so good at. You're good at many things, but what you are so good at in the college arena and how helpful you can be for their family. And again, get to see a piece of your heart and passion in a little different way than we do on our weekly basis. But speaking of weekly basis, we'll be back next week with another episode and more guests and new things. So thank you for joining us again for Decided Heart Conversations. And don't forget to think about what it is you're looking for for your child 
and where that comes from and evaluate if that's really where you want to be.